So the big question is this. How do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that the top agents hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's real estate environment? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. All right, rock stars, we got a great guest coming out of Orlando, Florida. From Remax Innovation, I got Veronica Figueroa, and she is turning heads up there in Orlando, and we're going to get deep into some nitty-gritty. Veronica, welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hey, Veronica, why don't you tell everybody about yourself so they can get to know you better? Um, you know, I'm just a down-to-earth girl from Orlando, Florida, military brat. My dad raised us, you know, in the military, so I think I give him credit for me always adapting to change, but was born in Germany, traveled all over, and then we settled here in Orlando and got fortunate I fortunate enough, I had a friend who convinced me to get my real estate license right out of college just a couple months right after I graduated and I was like, "What are you talking about? I'm going to be an HR manager. This is my dream, HR career in HR." And um yeah, 4 years into HR, I had to dust off the real estate license and jump into it when I was going through a divorce, so I give a lot of credit to that agent who convinced me who later on he never passed his test. Well, he didn't pass his test and 10 years later he finally did it and he works for me on my team now and is one of my best agents. So he's very near and dear to my heart. That's hilarious. So he convinced you to do it. He failed the test. You passed and you went on and then you ended up hiring him. Yep. And we always tell the story. He said, what if I would have passed then? I'm like, no, 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 (laughs) you're good. I don't know if the path would have ended up the same way. (laughs) that's awesome okay so how long ago was that so 2001 was when i got licensed so going on 18 years that's awesome okay so let's fast forward to today Uh, how many houses have you sold in the last 12 months 316 homes sweet and so how many of those were listings versus buyers 82 of them were listings the rest were buyers um, I'd like to flip that a little bit more, but hey, you got to go where you got to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Eight, okay, so 82 and 240 roughly. So very interesting. We're going to talk about that and where, where all that business comes from. And uh, so what was your ECI, Veronica, your ego commission income? What did all that add up to commission-wise? Yep, I can't, you know, I can't cash that in. I'm still trying to figure out how to do that. I always go to the bank. I'm like, I'm Veronica Figueroa. You know, my name's on certain plaques and certain things. And I've never really been able to cash that in at the bank. I'm sorry, the ego, what I said. Oh, the ego. I see. Right. Yeah, yeah. Never pays, right? Right. Um, I thought you said ego cash. um, GCI or GCI. Yeah, we call it ego commission income. Yeah, that's uh, you got the joke. I mean, because a lot of agents say that. They're like, hey, yeah, you know, I made $3 million or I made a million dollars. But then their net is, you know poultry or, or less than a cab driver. So, you know. Yeah. So our GCI was 2.3 million um, as a, you know, with that business that we generated, um, our average price point is right around 200 and we're right around 272 now as a team. So yeah, wish it was all in my pocket. (laughs) Well, what, what is your profit margin? We're about 27% as a team. Well, it's, it's fun. <laughs> that's yeah. I mean, that's pretty good. So, so you're still pulling in six fifty, seven hundred for yourself. You know, I mean, that's 
that's good. You know, a lot of people would love to make that sort of cash. So, all right, cool. So, and then you also, do you also own the Remax office? I do run the Remax. I own the Remax franchise as well. Okay. And do you have traditional agents there? So I have a hybrid. Yes, I do have about 13 traditional agents um, who've been with us for a long time um, from the original inception of the franchise. And then from there, the evolution of the team just really started taking off. So we stopped recruiting independent agents probably about three years ago. Really? It just no longer was a fit. The ones who were in were grandfathered in and the team just took off from there. And so what is it just not just the juice not worth the squeeze? Is that what you're thinking? Like the profit margin's not big enough for you? As you said it. The juice isn't worth the squeeze. The water cooler talk, the internal recruiting off your team. And you know, it's just, just I think energy is really important. And I think we shifted to the new era of real estate that's constantly changing, constantly rapidly evolving. And it's a no complain zone in my world. So when I started developing new talent and really focusing on the team models, there was a little bit of resistance. There was a little bit of that, but where's the broker behind the desk just sitting there and, you know, watching us get rich. And I, I just feel like there has to be a win-win and it just wasn't jiving on my end. So I really got intentional. I've always had a team from back in the REO days, back of when my business was, was running, um, when I had, I had a team in Tampa, I had a team in Miami, I had a team in, team in Ocala. When I was running REOs, I had teams all over. So when I brought the franchise, I kind of stepped back from that, yet knew I still had it in me. And I started building an online lead team and I was giving it to the independent agents. But when I saw that they would get to a certain bandwidth or a certain level of confidence, then they no longer saw value in the business that we were generating for them. But there was a ton of profitability for us. So I just started recruiting to that model and I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the model of me being able to train them, coach them, and all, all everybody on the same plan versus the, if it's your lead, it's this. If it's my lead, it's this. So I started realizing the value proposition I could add to building a team outside of the leads was more the culture, the consistency, you know, saying the same things, learning together rather than them all doing their own thing. And um, I just started developing a passion for it and um, implementing the processes that I had learned from back in the days that I was running an REO team, um, the assembly line with the listings, the evaluation, how we were doing our listings. And that model internally just started growing. Um, we started attracting a lot of agents and even some newer agents. And I started coaching. And then the independent hybrid model just started being less and less attractive for me. Mm. It may work for others. It just started being less and less attractive for me. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and how long ago was that? It was about six and a half years ago. Six and a half years ago. So, okay, so um, what's your team look like today? So my team today, we have 15 agents on, on the team. All of them buy, all of them list and sell now. We used to have okay. the listing team model only. I mean, listing agent model separate from the buyer's agent model. Yeah, why'd you change? I think it's antiquated. I mean, I think if they don't want to list, I'm going to let them make that choice. If they want to list, I, I need to develop them. I feel like I'm doing a disservice to them if I don't allow them to grow as a well-rounded professional and give them all the tools and resources. And I felt that I was getting caught up in some of those antiquated models and antiquated world, world roles of and coming from fear, like if I teach them everything, they're going to want to go out there and leave my team. Mm, and yeah. I'm just, you know, I challenge the model. 
I challenged myself and our inventory has grown by seven by 25 percent um since we increased um, i'm sorry since we shifted all of a sudden they just start bringing in listings because now they feel they're a contributor versus right. just getting a referral fee and and they don't even put they don't even have their name on the on the on the yard sign. it's still my name it's still my face they still are following the model but they feel like they're contributing to the team and instantly you know when i when i decided to pivot i think um morale really boosted as well they yeah, felt wow, that oh you trust me enough to go out there and represent us as a brand and things really changed. Yeah, I think there, and there's all, there also could be a, you know, a hierarchy, like the listing agents are better than the buyer agents. It got to that point, you know, my listing agents were getting listings. They wouldn't do their own open houses. They were always pointing the blame of all oh, these buyers agents. And mm. I just have a hard time with that. And, you know, <clears throat> I think that, again, maybe it's a little antiquated. Maybe I'm just maybe too too open-minded, but I started thinking that it started separating the quality in the mind of the, the listing agent, like you just said, and I, I beg to differ. I felt that some of my agents were good enough to list, good enough to sit there and sit across the table from a seller and tell them the good, the bad, the ugly, and I was able to test it, and I proved a point, wow, and I think we're going to sell 600 homes this year. Yes, yes. All right, so let's talk about where this business has come from. You know, you've obviously got your own sphere of influence, right? Yes. And, and did you, do you and your husband list and sell or do you just manage the team? We, my husband is somewhat in production when needed. Me, I do not, I'm not in production. I just manage the team. I still generate business, but I always get that business to my team. Okay. And what's I don't the, share so good. That's awesome. What's the number one source of business? Unfortunately, you guys aren't going to probably like this. Don't throw tomatoes at me. But Zillow is one of our number one um, sources, platforms. Second to that is past clients and referrals. And, wh and why would agents be throwing tomatoes at you? You know, I, I know people think we feed the beast and, you know, we partner with the 800-pound gorilla. But at the end of the day, they, we've aligned with ourselves with them since 2013 and figured out a way that it works for us. You know, we have a, almost 700 reviews. We're shy just three. We need three more reviews and we'll be at 700 reviews. Um, and <laughs> consumers, consumers trust it. They, Jeez, they, uh, wow. they reach out to us, our phone. We have a money phone. We have pod rotations on our team where the phone rings constantly and we monitor every single call and we track it. And Zillow continues to be our number one source coming in at 49% last year as far as the lead generating. That's huge. Um, okay. So Let's talk about that then, because that's, that's massive, right? Like, first of all, how much money are you spending on Zillow? A lot. <laughs> Upward of $25,000 a month. Twenty-five, so 300000 a year. Mm -hmm. Okay. We do offset a lot of that with um, co-lenders. Several different co-lenders? Two. Two co-lenders. And how's that work? They, they just help pay for the Zillow? They help, yeah, but they also are involved with us. Like we do call nights together. They are always available for us if we have someone who's ready, willing, and able to get a pre-approval, who needs a pre-approval, and who has financing questions. And let's just say they do pretty well. They do pretty well with us. Okay. So, okay, so take me through the whole process. Let's say somebody listening in Mississippi wants to create what you've created. What, what, what do they need to do? What do you guys do? Talk to me about the call nights. Talk to me about how you handle who gets the leads, blah, blah, blah. 
Well, I guess I need to understand a little bit about their business, but if they are an existing team and they have, you know, a good amount of business, some people start building a team and they have no business. It just won't work. You have to have enough business. When I started building my team, it's because I was at my capacity. My bandwidth was up to here, even with sign calls and my personal referrals. So when I started building a team, you got to recruit. You got to recruit people. You have to have a value proposition as to why people want to work with you. Um, at that point, people wanted to work with us because they saw our signs were in the yard and they knew we were a mover and shaker. As we started giving them an opportunity to work in our world, you know, we allowed them to start working on our money phone, which was our sign calls, but they also had to go out and generate business and we would teach them how to network. We would teach them how to build their business, but that wasn't enough. We started off with Boomtown with pay-per-click. And we were basically giving them the grunt, teaching them, you know, you got to work with those vacant lands and you got to work with the, um, you know, the properties that are maybe four to five minutes out, 30 minutes out. But I promise you, I allow you to make mistakes because you're going to learn with these opportunities. Every dollar that I would make, I would reinvest. I would reinvest to build additional platforms of leads for these agents or opportunities for these agents. And I would go out and also create opportunities for our agents. We were in the community. We were rubbing elbows with business owners, doing events at business owner, you know, with business owners to again, plant ourselves as a community expert and a pillar in the community. That's how I built my business. And I still think if you follow that model, it will work. And as I started researching the different models that were out there as far as online lead gen, again, it was pay-per-click, it was Boomtown, and those are hard. They were harder back then because the DNA of an online lead back then was a little different than today. Back then, we were talking about 18 to 24 months before one of those bad boys, unless you got lucky, would strike. Now, people who are searching online, they're usually ready to go, in diff you know, depending on which platform they're on. So I would reinvest. If I made a dollar, I was reinvesting at least 40% uh, of it, reinvesting it into my business, again, to build a pillar for these agents. And then I was able to measure everything. I track every single call. I track every single lead that comes in. And the accountability piece was the most important. Sitting down with our agents and saying, all right, so tell me the story behind the Smith family or the Rivera family. Where are we at on that? We weren't just looking at the leads as a number, like, oh, you got 10 leads. What's up with those leads? It was like, okay, so tell me about Bob and Angela. What's their situation? Oh, well, they're not really moving down here until then. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit more about that. Where do we need to, where do we need to position them? Do we need to be focusing all our energy on them? Or should we touch base with them in three months? Let's focus on getting new business that's now business. And how often are you doing that? And that's what I do with my team. I'm sorry? How often are you doing that? Like you're do that's your job, right? That's what you're doing. That's my job. And I have a VP of sales as well. So we're touching them every week with those questions. Those How's it agents. going? So Tell you sit down job. with an agent yeah, every, like for an hour, every, every week or so. And just, you know, the way the consistency that we have, it, it can be knocked out in 15 to 20 minutes because we're such a tight office. They're in my team is, um, my team is, they have the discipline that they come into the office and they also have the discipline that they, we communicate via Slack and we have Slack channels. And I, what I did is, you know, as my team started growing, it got a little bit difficult for me to be the one to handle everything. So I created pods within my team. So we have pod Maverick. They think, you know, they call themselves team Maverick. Um, I have pod pod tree. I don't know where they came up with that name. And then we have Wolfpack. <laughs> 
All right, guys, why waste thousands of dollars and countless hours on training that never touches on what matters most? How to make more money in real estate. For just $7, you can start a one-week trial at Rebus University today. And what that means is $13,000 worth of real estate courses on how to make more commissions will be available to you for a dollar a day. It's all you can eat. Go in there and take them all if you can. Only seven bucks. To start your seven-day all-access free trial, go to futureofrealestatetraining.com. These courses are guaranteed to get you more listings, more leads, and more commissions future of real estate training.com or just text the word trial to 444-999 that's t-r-i-a-l to 444-999 so i have team leaders or i call them team captains for each pod. So nice. I communicate mainly with them, but I still touch my agents. Like, I'm do they, does the team captain them. get paid a override on the team? Nope. Captains nope. get perks. They, perks. so the way we did this was we didn't tell them that they were going to be captains. They raised their hands. They're true leaders. They're servant hearts. The people on my team are all about culture. They get it. They want to help others and they get fulfillment out of helping others. Now, do I give them better perks? Absolutely. I give them decision-making, um, a, a voice for decision-making, um, sort of like an advisory board. I also give them additional lead sources, such as uh, platforms that I know that work, that added value to them, because they're not looking for a handout. I don't think I can tell them, you're going to get a $100 override. That's not sexy enough for them. But I can give them more opportunities. And I sit with them and eventually say, you know, maybe, well, do you want a team? How can I help you build a team? So... I've played around with the idea of incentives, monetary incentives, and we basically came up with, okay, give them monetary incentives, but make them work for it. So they have special, I have a special ops number for them. So on the high end listings, um, that number only goes to them, those four for that, um, my VP of sales and then my three, my three. Wait a minute, so this is a special ops number. So any Explain of that. our like high-end listings or anything yep. that might be a special like platform. Like I have a realtor.com platform where any of our listings were guaranteed our leads. So those leads will go to, go to them. Oh, I see. So that's, that's, that would be a perk. That's a perk. That's a perk. So they get, they get the, yeah. Okay. That's they cool. Get some cream of the crop. Yeah. Yeah. They get the, yeah. Okay. So you're not cherry. That's cool. You don't cherry pick them for yourself, but you cherry pick them for your leaders. Then you encourage them to lead the other agents under them. Very good. Very good. Okay. And, and talk to me about the immediacy of the leads that you're getting with Zillow. Like, are you guys handling all, all your leads? Are you letting them work them? And then, you know, what are you doing with that? So trust is a big thing on our team. Um, we've tried the ISA model in the past and, um, you know, it just didn't work. It wasn't aligned with us and it almost cost me my business. So when we started analyzing what's the best model and making sure that the agent was the front line of defense, 
because I trust them and I'm training them and I'm coaching them and I'm developing them. So I suck as a leader if they're not competent enough to handle these conversations um, where I realize they might drop the ball is on the follow-up, but not on the initial conversation. They're really good on the initial conversation. So they are frontline of defense. Um, we track everything through better voice. So the call comes in. Um, we have obviously our CRM, but as far as on this little gadget here, I have better voice. And if there's a missed call, Anything that happens on Better Voice, I can see it. And I have it broken down as to which pod is on which week and who was assigned the lead. What um, is Better Voice? Better Voice. What is it? So Better Voice is just a phone tracking system that allows you to create operators within the system and it matches. So it's, it's compatible with Follow Up Boss. It's compatible with, you know, you can use it with your Boomtown. And it just allows us a little bit of control. And we can play those calls during trainings and say, okay, let's randomly pick someone's call and see how did that call go? And they're oh, like, wow. ah. really? And we'll allow them to do the self-critique first, whereas judgment-free zone and, you know, say, okay, guys, tell us what you, how you think that call could have gone better. So it records what, the calls. I'm sorry? It records the calls? It records the calls, yes. Wow. And then you could go back and listen to them. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's good listen. accountability, right? Because if you know, like, it's just like, you know, anything, right? If, if you know, if they know someone's going to be listening or could be listening, they're going to be great on that call, right? Yeah, they, they really do try to improve every day. And um, I think us, we use it as a coaching opportunity. And you can tell when someone's having a bad day and you can tell when someone's just not on their A game. And we ask them, don't answer the phone if you're not if your head's not in it. So the way our calls are rotated is at all times, the call is going to ring to five people. Those five people, they have a shift within uh, that day. So it's two people are assigned. One is a backup. And then the afternoon people, the other two people who weren't assigned, they're on shift and they have a backup. And then after six o'clock, it's jump off. After six o'clock, everybody's on shift and they communicate with each other saying, Hey, you know, I'm going to go to dinner. I'm not going to be answer, able to answer the call. Not a problem. I've got your back. I got the calls. Or, you know, everyone will let themselves know their availability. And then what I do have is kind of like a client manager ISA role, but back end, anything that's two weeks old, they haven't touched, it's free game. Anything that's Vulcan 7, like Fizbo's expires and withdrawn, they have a specific amount of hours that they dedicate to that. And then the rest, they go into the ocean where we have over... 30,000 leads and it's playtime. You can call whoever you want in there. Wow. And, and so when you say call, you really mean like notification or e email, right? Like someone filled out a form online. Like, like yeah, sometimes it's a call. Sometimes it's email. Sometimes it's text. We have a lot of different avenues of lead generation. So, um, so, so let's say it's seven o'clock at night on Tuesday, you know, someone goes online, they fills out, they fill out a form to look at pictures or whatever. It's um, a notification is given to five agents or all the agents, and then one of them grabs it and just tells the other one, I got it, or how's that work? No. So um, the email inquiry is assigned to one specific agent. The calls, we have a high call volume. You do? Uh, what, what, I, how, why? I mean, I just think we've invested a lot of money to make the phone rings. I mean, people in our community, they're either going to see us in the streets, they're going to see us online, or they're going to see us in their yard, or they're going to see us in their mailbox. I'm everywhere. They don't see me in their sleep. So you make them, so, they, so there's a lot of them. That's great. And so they call. Okay. Um, no, no, no. We have a lot of sign calls. We have pretty good listing inventory. And then um, we do do the Zillow Connects. Um, so we have a really good um, answer ratio. 
when it comes to making sure we're always monitoring the phones. The email how, how, do, how does the call go to five people? So it's just a back-end algorithm that we've managed to set up with their engineering team and Better Voices engineering team. And then the call will go to five people and then the concierge team will know because we have every single agent on our roster on their back end. So if Chris answers the phone, Chris will answer and he'll say it's Chris with the Figueroa team, you know, do his normal introduction and the person transferring over the call knows to assign that lead to Chris specifically. It will fall in his back end bucket. Wow. And, and then, so like my phone, let's say I didn't beat Chris to that call. My phone would ring and then it wouldn't ring a second time because Chris, it's kind of like Uber, right? Like whoever grabs it first Correct. Or, or, or not even because Uber, they give you a chance. So there you don't even have a chance, right? It's like whoever can pick it up on the, the fastest. Yeah. And that's usually after six o'clock because during yeah. the weekday, they have scheduled shift where we play nice with each other so that there can be enough love for everyone. Yeah. Right. That's more like Uber where like you, you get a chance and then if you can't do it, then it goes to the next person. Where at night, jump ball, like you said, where it's like, you don't pick it up on the first or second ring, you're not getting that lead. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, because our mindset is no, no consumer left behind, right? This isn't about their ego. This isn't about them saying this is not fair, so-and-so is answering the call. To me, it's about, please make sure our consumers are not left behind. If you feel you have too much, too many leads, don't answer the phone, or if you do get to answer it and you can't service it, transfer it over to one of your partners, one of your colleagues. And they do that amongst each other. And they're very, very good with that. Um, is it perfect? No. Do we have mix-ups sometimes? Yes. But they know we have a very low tolerance mode for, are we arguing about leads? Because we don't argue about leads here. Mm. We're worried about servicing and what's the best What's the best outcome for the consumer? If they, make, they, had a, if they built rapport with so-and-so, I'm not going to let the other person who felt that that lead was in their bucket and the person called back. And you, I see no notes. You haven't updated. You haven't been able to make contact with this person. You haven't been able to connect with them. And the consumer had a 20-minute conversation with Christina, and she set them up for showing. She set them up pre, for a pre-approval. Christina's going to get that lead. She's going to nurture that relationship. That's, uh, that's great. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like it's, 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 the agents do so much better if they know someone is paying attention. Bottom line, if they know multiple people are paying attention, you know? So, well, so that's why some people can't work on a team. And that's okay because I'm not a recreational agent and no disrespect. You know, I am not doing this because I have the luxury of selling eight homes a year and making extra money and it's great money. And, you know, I don't have to work. I have to work. I have five children. My husband and I have done this for the last 10 years together. We've invested everything, our hearts, our soul into this industry. And, you know, now we're running a business. This isn't, eh, you know, whenever I feel like it. So when someone asks to come into our world and it's too much for them, the accountability is too much for them, it's okay. Maybe you're just not a good fit for our team. Maybe you should go somewhere where they're okay if you sell eight homes a year and no one follows up on the leads. But in our world, it's not about that. This is an investment that we're making. People are relying on us. I have jobs. I have employees. We pay 401k. We have benefits. We have, you know, we have, you yeah. know, I put myself on payroll. I don't take a draw. I literally am on payroll. The only way I get additional income is if I bonus out. Or like I get a onesie twosie here, but I'm running a business. 
And that's for teams, when people are wanting to grow a team, I think that that's really important that they remember that. Plenty of people make a decent living selling real estate, but how many manage to make millions to become a millionaire? Imagine how much more profitable your business would be if you had the chance to learn from someone who actually made their millions selling real estate. Rebus University instructors know what it takes to build a highly successful, highly lucrative real estate business because they've done exactly that. These self-made real estate millionaires spent years in the trenches identifying exactly what works in today's markets. And that's exactly what they teach. Right now, we're running a seven-day trial on Rebus University's all-access package. For just $7, you can get access to every course. Every millionaire real estate instructor, there's over 40 of them, 40 millionaire real estate instructors that Rebus University has to offer. You have access to all of them. To start your seven-day free trial for only seven bucks, go to futureofrealestatetraining.com. That's futureofrealestatetraining.com or text trial, T-R-I-A-L to 444-999. That's trial to 444-999. No, I love it. I love it. And it makes sense, right? I mean, why not be the best of the best when it comes to following up on leads? And it, and it seems like you're constantly thinking, you know, how can we do this better? How can we make sure the customer is happy as hell, right? Like loves you and loves the service. And then any other agent out there that's not on your team, you know, and they have to leave a message and the dude calls them back in 24 hours. They're like, Phew. Veronica's team calls me, you know, picks up on not even halfway through the first ring. I had a friend of mine. He's a, he's a technically a competitor in the industry. And it's so funny. We were having lunch and, and we get along really well. And he says to me, I have to admit something to you. And I was like, well, he says, I, um, I phone shopped your team. Yep. I used it in a training. He was like, we literally totally called in and role played with your agent. He had no idea. He says, and I was being a really difficult client. And I said, Oh really? How'd that go? He was like, he was great. He was like, <laughs> damn, they're good. And it was like, I told him, I said, what an honor. I was like, I'm really glad they did well. But it, the funny thing is the agent that he got is one of my best agents. And now that Zillow is doing the best of Zillow. I don't know if you're familiar with that, Pat. No, tell me about it. Well, they're scoring you on the back end based off of consumer surveys, sort of like an Uber-like five-star survey. And they'll ask a couple questions like, was the agent professional? And did they, you know, were they able to answer all your questions? And did you feel like you got, you know, five-star service on the call? And do you intend to work with the agent? A couple other questions that they ask, but the ones that really, really matter are, did you, did you connect with the agent? Not are you doing business with them, but did you connect with them? Meaning that we answered them, we called them, we were able to, to speak and the level of the conversation, the professionalism, and was this agent the best of Zillow? So Chris actually has one of the highest scores across the nation. He has a 93 or a 92, which is the top 3% across the entire nation. And so it wasn't a surprise to me that when um, Gil Ramos told me that he shopped my team on purpose and used it as a training, training call, I said, oh, I'm glad. I'm glad that went well. Well, you better tell your agents because after this podcast comes out, you're going to have a bunch of randoms calling you. Oh, my God. No, don't do it, please. <laughs> They're like, 
I got a call from Kenya and someone was shopping. And, uh, yeah, right. right. Oh my God, I'm changing the number. <laughs> so, okay. So tell me, uh, tell me about that. Now you're on the Zillow advisory board. So of course I want to ask you like what's coming, what's, what's changing, what are you learning there? You know, I think that um, obviously there's certain things that we wouldn't be able to disclose. But what I do know is the consumer focus is really, I think, Zillow's main priority together with connecting really good agents with opportunities. In the past, you can spend the money and the quality of what you were delivering wasn't being monitored even from them. But consumers still thought it was Zillow's fault. So when oh, we sit oh, there, that's interesting. Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. Right. They'll say they think they're calling Zillow. And when they maybe get subpar service, but people, these were agents who could pay to play. So it was kind of like, well, what, what is it your business if we don't return calls or what is it your business if we don't want to work with that person who mm. their price point isn't where we want it? I mm. think they really were saying, well, we built this to be a vibrant homeownership space where consumers could connect with professionals. And if they're thinking that we're not connecting them with really good professionals, how do we, how do we monitor that? How do we, how do, we, how do we create a baseline where we at least know? And I think the best of Zillow is really going to help because it's really going to set this tone of people leveling up. That's one of the things that I'm really excited that they've done recently. Um, I know with PA4, there was a lot of scrutiny of them being involved in the screening of the calls and the connections and the quality. But I think that that came from the, the truth of too many leads can be noise. And what is truly a lead? And when they decided to roll out the best, I'm sorry, PA4, there were some kinks. You know, we all went through some, some bumps in the road, but they listened and they have now since made some modifications, have given us back the opportunities when there were email inquiries, when someone couldn't get in contact with them. So the future, I think they're going to continue to listen to us. I think they are going to continue to do what's best for the consumer when the consumer is raising their hand and expressing, you know, frustration. And I think they want to also make this where agents can afford to still partner with Zillow and, and be profitable, but they also need to be profitable. So what's to come? I don't know. I tested Zillow instant offers when it first launched and that was a really brutal process for me, but um, I felt like we were a part of a little real estate history and I'm excited that they're coming back to Orlando, Florida and looking forward to hopefully being one of the listing agents for their, um, inventory. I mean, at the end of the day, so, so I'm, slow that down a little bit. So when you say you tested Zillow instant offers, what that what does that mean? You so I was the agent who was the beta test Google, or you look up the news. I was that agent who was one of the first agents testing it in Orlando, Florida, and um, didn't. I don't think the industry liked that too much. We ended so, up getting okay, most innovative so. team of the year as a result to I think how forward thinking we were willing to be in testing it. So tell me about that. So tell me about the test. Like, like, so what happened? So people, so Zillow changed, you know, anybody in Orlando, Florida that happened to be on Zillow, you know, got some pop up or whatever. I don't know how it worked. It said, you know, we'll buy your home now for cash or get an instant offer. And then, and then what happened? And then we would, we would receive the opportunity to connect with this seller after we did a CMA. So think of an up nest, think of, you know, op city, think of yep. different opportunities that will give you this opportunity, you know, this ability to connect with the seller with the CMA. You couldn't talk to them. You couldn't call them unless they showed interest. But in addition to that, they were also presented with an investor offer, a few investor offers. So, and again, so slow it would- down again. So you did a CMA mm-hmm. and you send it to them, right? Yes. And then, then the investor offers come from where? 
they had a few investors um, relationships. I think um, like big, big oh, investors, like like big investors. Yes, I think Offerpad or Open Door. I think Offerpad was one of them. They had Promisor. They had a couple other ones. So big, um, big money. You know, looked at your CMA, looked at the house, made offers. Offers got sent through Zillow to the consumer. Mm-hmm. Then and the what? consumer would then say, eh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not paying those kind of fees or yes, I want to work. I want to talk to that agent. And we were able to get a lot of new business, a lot of new business from it. Um, it was a learning experience. It reminded me back in the REO days, BPOs coming in like crazy. Um, did houses sell? Yeah. I mean, did, did, did houses, did a transaction happen between the hedge funds or the big, the big investors and the sellers? Yes. Yes. On both, um, uh, um, in both categories, with agent relationships and investors. And, and, and agent relationships meeting. And then some people said no, and you were able to list them mm-hmm. regular, right? Yes. And uh, so how did you get paid? How do you get paid on that? Commissions on the HUD. Closings. Commissions. Right. So you got like, they Zillow pays you a commission. No, 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 no. The seller would. The seller. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Do you decide? So they, they left. They left Orlando. They tried it for seven months here. They learned a lot with it. A couple other agents were added to the beta testing, and then once it was, you know, where they felt they could make some adjustments, they pulled out of Orlando. They thanked us. It was actually a nice break because <laughs> it was a lot of work. Really, it was, it was fun. It was fun to learn. It was fun to be a part of something that what I consider industry revolution. Um, yes. And knowing that Open Door and OfferPad is they're already in our market, so it was interesting to kind of have a front seat at what is happening in the industry and positioning ourselves enough to say, okay, if this happens, do we have the process internally to service these ty- this type of business? And then from there, they obviously have modified their instant offers. They don't call it instant offers now anymore; they call it Zillow offers. And Zillow offers is now, I believe, in Las Vegas, Phoenix, Atlanta. And they should be coming to Florida, I think, back. And now they do not have outside investors. They are the investor. And then they're partnering with listing agents who, if the seller doesn't want to accept their offer, they will then pass it on to agents. And or I think also they, when they buy a home, they use um, a, a premier agent, an approved premier agent. Well, and, pro- and probably you, since you did the CMA, it's kind of like in the REO days, if you did the BPO, yeah, you didn't really care about the 50 bucks, but they'd give you the listing after you did the BPO. And it's the same thing. Since you did me this favor, you know, we'll give you the buyer or, or I'm hoping that will be the case. You know, I'm praying to the real estate gods that, you know, they don't forget who took a lot of heat <laughs> last year. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's neat. I, that's, that's good to hear. I appreciate you sharing that. And, and I see how like Zillow is, doing on a large level, essentially what you've done with your team. I mean, you've made it so accountable and so customer centric that, you know, you have to be a great agent or you're not going to work on your team. And Zillow's doing the same thing, right? It's just like Uber does, right? If you don't have a certain score and you're not so good for the, if you're not the best of the best, then you're just not going to be a Zillow agent, right? It's just not, not anybody and everybody can is can be or will be a Zillow agent, just like not everybody and anybody can be Veronica's team agent, right? It's the same yeah, thing. Yeah, and I think I've learned from them. I've learned from them. They've learned from us. And um, like I said, if the consumer is the North Star, then we can't go wrong if we're always trying to improve. 
if it's just the split, if it's just what's in it for me, then it's just not in line with the model that I'm building. And yeah. I don't, I'm not everyone's favorite. I'm not everyone's cup of tea, but I know that when I have to stroke that check every month for all the things that I do, I have to think of why am I really doing it and who am I doing it with? And I want to do it with the best. I want to do it with people who really care and want to do a great job. So what I'm curious about is, okay, so, so Zillow has figured out like, right, how to get the buyer to raise their hand, right? Yeah. And now they're figuring out how to get the, you know, uh, seller who wants to sell low to raise their hand, right? To instant. I don't necessarily think they want to sell low. I think they have, they want to sell quickly in their life. Yeah. yeah. It could be death. It could be illness. It could be too many children and they don't want to worry about getting the house fixed up. It could be, you know, unexpected circumstances. I mean, Anthony Lamaki had just started his own iBuy program. He's like, well, let me do this myself too. Yeah. So he's offering, you know, he went out and got, a, you know, some crowdsourcing or whatever did he did to get funds. But he told me, he was like, V, I'm offering it too. He says, because reality is some people sometimes don't want to show their home or they need to get out from, from under. And more and more people are, are just short on patience nowadays, right? Or short on, you know, they just want everything that has to be done yesterday or fast, faster and faster and faster. So it is fascinating. But what my question was going on is I'm wondering how, and you know, they got to be thinking about this, how they're going to eventually get the seller that wants top dollar, like the regular seller, right? The, the one that says, oh, I don't want an instant offer because I know it's going to be low. So, you know, I want top dollar. I want to create an auction type atmosphere and, and list my house with an agent. How are they going to get that seller to give to the agents, you know? I think they're going to figure it out. I think they're going to figure it out because at the end of the day, they are the largest platform where consumers go. And there is a misconception that these sellers are going to sell for a tremendously low margin. And it's, we're not seeing that even open door. They're, they're doing a volume play. I don't know why, but I guess they can afford it. But they're also padding also less risk now because the market's good. You know what I mean? Right. But they, have, but they all have a buy box. You know, there's a certain buy box. They're not going over certain, they don't want all the listings. So there's a certain buy box that they're like, they don't want anything that's going to sit more than 60 days. They don't want anything that's going to need too, too much work. And they don't want anything over a certain price point that they know they're going to eliminate a certain buyer pool, you know, that is not going to be excited to move quickly. So I don't anticipate this going into luxury markets. I don't anticipate this going into higher price point areas. I, I continue to see it in markets like Orlando, Phoenix, Atlanta, you know, outskirts, Tennessee, North Carolina, places where you can still buy things for between, you know, less than $300,000, less than three fifty. dollars I, yeah, I, mean, I have a neighbor. She's my neighbor. We met with her, you know, getting her top dollar. She's older. She loved us ends up going with open door and it was just the ease the peace of mind and they just gave her what she wanted and she says i'll just take it uh, she weighed the pros and cons and that's something we're fighting in the battlefield and you cannot tell me we didn't do a good job we don't she was just her circumstance she says i met with them and we realized that we don't want to go through listing and she's my neighbor across the street <laughs> right <laughs> but people don't want to admit that and, and it's reality. And that wasn't Zillow. That's open door. And open door in our market is, you know, coming after some market share and also partnering with agents to list the house for free. Say it again. Partnering with agents to list the homes and the agents are listing them for free. How? I don't understand. 
well, actually one particular agent, but if they opened it up, I'm sure a couple others would jump on it. But basically another team, think about this, another team, open door doesn't have enough support to list the volume that they're bringing on. They go to a team that has processes, models, and things in place, systems in place. They go out there, put a sign in the yard. You know the old story of like a sign in the yard is worth more than a sign in the trunk. They just want the buyers, yeah. They just want the buyers. They lock in the leads and they're servicing that listing, hoping to generate a, an abundance of buyer leads for their buyers and or pick up the buyer to sell that particular home. Because Open Door really doesn't have uh, buyer agents, right? They have buyer agents, yes. They do? Tons of buyer. Are you saying Open Door? Open Door, yeah. No, they do not. But I think eventually they're learning from this and they will have. Yeah, well, they re- right now they really don't need them. You know, if they have buyer agents, then it almost becomes a conflict on the commission end because like here's here's what i see it so like open door right if they list the house themselves they can decide ah, put put whatever commission as a co-op commission that i want to out there let's say lower the co-op commission whatever it is one percent lower or or 30% lower. Oh, and most companies say, well, don't do that because we're shooting ourselves in the foot because we work buyers too, you know? So we're, we're, if we do that, then all the other agents will do that. And then, you know what I mean? Then our buyer agents are going to make less. So nobody does it. But open door said, well, we don't work buyers, so screw it. We'll just put a low commission out there. And I bet you it'll sell it through Zillow and the MLS and in public. Am I making any sense? Yeah, you're making sense. I think what I could see happening, because I think they have open list, which they're encouraging now, like, you don't need a buyer's agent, just come directly to us. I think they'll have some sort of internal agreement with their employees or their agents who are part of their payroll and say, if, you know, if it's an internal deal, sort of like the builder, the builder's paying 3%, but if it's an internal sales rep, they're not getting the full 3%. No. They have an internal tier program. So do they have to honor the commission on the MLS to the person who's their agent who sells it internally if they have some sort of internal override no, Structure. yeah, I don't know. right. No, they won't have to. No, they can tell them it yeah, is. What I don't know what that looks like. Fascinating. Wow. All right. So let's let's talk about your free gift, Veronica. This has been an amazing uh, conversation. What what free gift did you bring to everybody today? And what I'm going to do, guys, and I'm going to put this on Veronica's show notes. And you know, I really don't think I've had a a Veronica on the show before, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to just put Veronica and the number one rather than having you guys spell out our last name. It's uh, hybendigital.com backslash Veronica, V-E-R-O-N-I-C-A and the number one. Hybendigital.com backslash Veronica one. All right, what's your free gift today? So we just have a kind of roadmap to helping agents set themselves up for the best year yet. You know, I think it comes down to the simple basics that, most of us who are running high-level businesses do. You know, it's your mindset. It's understanding there are systems in place that you need. Um, so I've broken down, I think, a really nice guide. Um, I hope you like it. <laughs> um, it's something that I've used with a bunch of other agents, um, you know, talking about what's important, what do you really need to do if you're going to run a thriving real estate career. Definitely, you need to make sure you're focused. Eliminate the noise. There's a lot of distractions out there. I've put together some of my top pick CRMs, some of my top pick backend solutions as well. Um, if you are looking to build a team, you know, what are you using for your accounting system? What are you using for your backend solution? Brokerman, Broker Wolf, you know, there's a lot of different things out there. I mean, and you can go on all these forums and, you know, 
um, Facebook groups, but it gets very overwhelming and there's so many opinions. I feel like I put myself out there over the last few years to explore these things for the sake of the industry. I've been on Boomtown. I've been on Sync. I've been on Follow Up Boss. I've tried Curator. I've interviewed Wailopo. I've interviewed Boomtown. I feel like I've done enough exploring that I can give some true feedback. And I've highlighted my top picks on this, on this guide. In addition to that, just again, going over what, what the importance of our, you said it earlier, and my good friend Lisa Archer says it, your ROI is your SOI. Mm. Your ROI is 100% your SOI. And if you do want to go into the online lead gen, the, the goal here is it cannot be a one and done. You then take that lead and you must now turn them into your SOI. You have to then nurture them as well to grow your SOI, your sphere of influence, so that you get that new business. Um, so I've added some of the tips on there just to help agents remember that, you know, they can make this year their best year yet if they focus, if they're focusing on the right things with their business. It's a really nice little um, pamphlet. They've got my contact information on there as well if they want to reach out to me. I'm always happy to hop on a call. And, you know, I'm, I'm that type of person. You can even come visit my office, come see my operation, talk to my team. If you want to learn more about Better Voice, you want to learn about how we have those back-end systems set up, you know, I'm an open book. So that's going to be my gift to them. Just a little roadmap for some goodies to do in the business. Oh man, that's, this is awesome guys. This is, this is the one thing that you want. So definitely go there and get it. Hybendigital.com backslash Veronica one. And also I'm going to put it in the agent success toolbox, which can be found on Hybendigital.com backslash toolbox, or just text the word toolbox to 444-999. And when you do that, not only will you get Veronica's free gift, but you'll get probably over a hundred other free gifts that agents have brought as they come on the show. Veronica, this has been a blast. If I'm ever in Orlando, I will definitely look you up and uh, we could get together and break some bread. Absolutely. Anytime. And if you're going to Inman, I don't know when this is going to air, but I'll be at Inman as well, New York. So I'd love to catch up if anyone wants to grab a cup of coffee. There you go. You heard it. You got an open invitation, guys. Take advantage of it and, and get a new mentor. Thanks, Veronica. <laughs> Thank you, Pat. Thank you so much for tuning in to Real Estate Rockstars. If this free content is giving you a ton of value, I want to ask a small favor in return. I need you to pull out your pointing finger and hit the subscribe button. Yes, hit subscribe, please. The more subscribers that we get on Real Estate Rockstars, the better guests are attracted to the shows. We'll get more guests from the top companies, from the top teams, and even more celebrity guests like Robert Kiyosaki and Barbara Corcoran. Also, if you're not a member of our free Facebook group, go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio right on Facebook and join the conversation. I'm on there myself on FaceTime Lives, and we have a lot of communications and questions about the show, and I'd love to see you there. And it's free. People ask me all the time, where am I on social media? I'm real easy to find. Just type in my name. My IG is I am Pat Hyben. It is blowing up on Instagram, adding tons of subscribers. And I'm on there probably twice a day. So definitely follow me on Instagram as well as everywhere else. Thanks again for listening and keep rocking.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.